Hello, fellow explorers. Welcome back to the Ancient Art Podcast. I'm your intrepid host, Lucas Livingston. This video is just a short primer to the whole story. If you want the big picture, visit ancientartpodcast.org 64. If you're wondering why we jumped from episode 62 to 64, it's because the past two episodes were released exclusively as illustrated blog posts at ancientartpodcast.org. And if you haven't done so, I hope you'll check out episodes 62 and 63, parts 2 and 3 in my three-parter on dogs in antiquity. The trilogy explores the hairless dogs of ancient Mexico and Peru, dogs in ancient China, and our canine companions in Greco-Roman antiquity. Here's a cool cat strutting his stuff down Easy Street. With his arms a-swinging and legs a-striding, this little guy in the Art Institute of Chicago is on the go. That glorious green skin might have you thinking of the purity of Chinese jade, but this dude's made of copper, one solid cast piece. He's also one of the oldest pieces in the Art Institute, being about 5,000 years old. He's dated to about 3100 BC from the Proto-Elamite culture. Yeah, I know. Proto-Elamite's one of the earliest cultures around the hotbed of civilization we call the ancient Near East. Frankly, with the litany of different cultures and civilizations from Mesopotamia and its environs, if you don't know your Assyria from your Abayad, you're in fairly good company. The clenched fists, thick banded cap, wide belt, and artificial looking beard suggest the royal iconography of Sumer, the emerging Mesopotamian superpower contemporary to our figurine. How about those horns, though? The great curling horns of the ibex crowning his head evoke the mountainous spirit of the western highlands of Elam. His cap's pointy ears further accentuate his bestial side, as does the vulture wrapped around his torso like some sort of superhero's cape. In fact, when I was recently looking at this figure in the gallery, one of the museum's security officers asked me, so was this like an action figure? Precisely. Maybe not a kid's toy with kung fu action grip, but Action Hero certainly captures the heroic mythological and spiritual power embodied in a mere seven-inch figure. But wait, there's more. Act now and you get two for the price of one. That's right, there are two ancient horned action figures. One belongs to a private collection and it's been on loan to the Art Institute of Chicago. The other's in the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. So, who is he? Is he a god-king shrouded in animalistic associations? Is he a mythological hero, some sort of proto-Elamite Hercules? We remember that Hercules wrapped himself in the pelt of a lion, while our hero here sports the raptor cloak, another carnivorous predator. Both figures embody a sort of wild man, an ancient figural type capturing our struggle to grasp our nature as a civilized creature living in a world of beasts and ultimately derived from the wilds. It's worth pointing out, though, that the distance in time between our friend here and the earliest mentions of Hercules is about the same time as the distance between the earliest mentions of Hercules and us today. Translation, about two and a half thousand years. A little closer to home, though, our action hero might remind us of Enkidu from the ancient Mesopotamian epic of Gilgamesh, the wild man and the eventual sidekick of our eponymous hero Gilgamesh. 
While Enkidu first emerges from the wilds, raised by animals and ignorant of human civilization, he gradually tames throughout the story. We might draw a parallel here to the Proto-Elamite culture living between two worlds, the animistic, shamanistic tribal society of the highlands and the urbanized, theistic, bureaucratic monarchy of Sumer. We've seen here through various associations and affiliations the many different interpretations that the striding figure may evoke. The Metropolitan calls their figure a striding horned demon, but I comfort myself in speculating that they're using demon in the original Greek context of a divine entity, a nature spirit, or a deified hero. But I'll tell you one thing in my own personal opinion. We have before us an ethically nebulous minion. With those curly elf boots and big bushy beard horns soaring atop his cute pointy ears, when I say this indeed, you'll surely feign sick, but we may have a prototype for Jolly Saint Nick. What? Santa, you say? Well, you're clearly insane, but I'm speaking, of course, of the less popular vein, of the horned wicked Santa of unfashionable lore, like the Nordic Yulbokken, surely related to Thor. Knecht Ruprecht and Perchte, Belchnickel's Piet, are but some of the sidekicks Santa brings on his beat. But the one most inspired for a good Christmas fright is none other than Krampus, an Austrian Elamite? Two years ago, as I previously warned you, there's a time-honored tradition that the church cannot undo. Search in my archives for the great Christmas devil since the dawn of the ages in the wild man we revel. For a topic befitting the learned on campus, click on ancientartpodcast.org slash campus. Remember, this was just a short primer. If you want the whole story, visit ancientartpodcast.org slash 64. Thanks so much for tuning into the Ancient Art Podcast and for all the support over the years. If you dig this shot of educational espresso, please consider leaving a little something in the tip jar. Just head on over to ancientartpodcast.org and click on the juicy donate button. Any amount helps me pay for bandwidth and keeping it real. And if you can't spare a buck or two, give me a fat five-star rating and comment on iTunes. Subscribe, thumbs up, and share my YouTube channel. Like and share the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash ancientartpodcast. And follow me on Twitter at Lucas Livingston. If you want to drop me a line, go to ancientartpodcast.org slash feedback or email me at info at ancientartpodcast.org. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time on the Ancient Art Podcast.